I'm so glad you're here and enjoying your summer with us. This blue cord movement was birthed out of a scripture in the Old Testament in Numbers 15:37. It was a time when the Israelites had messed up again, and the Lord told Moses to tell the Israelites, "Make for yourself a tassel with a cord of blue and put it on the hem of your garments, so that every time you see it, you'll remember who I am, who you are in me, and what I called you to do." As a woman in this present culture, we also need to be reminded of these important truths. That's what this Blue Cord podcast is all about. I'm your host, Karen Bajani, and if sharing your faith has been hard for you and you long to be brave, strong, and courageous, this is for you. Hello and welcome back. This is Karen Bajani, your hope from I Hope Ministries. And in this podcast series, we've been unpacking five biblical essentials that every Christian should know and do with Muslims. And today, I am super excited for you to hear my friend Nagin share the story about how she came to find and follow Jesus. So let's get started. Welcome, Nagin. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. Yes, thank you for joining me here today. Now, listeners, Nagin was born in Kabul, Afghanistan, into a semi-traditional Muslim family right around the time of the Soviet war in the late 80s. So imagine being born into a world filled with sounds of explosive bombs and gunshots and heavy tanks that just rattle the very windows and walls in your home. That was what life was like for Nagin. And after her brother's school was bombed, her family made the decision to flee the country. So Nagin, why don't you share with us what that was like for you back then? Well, at the time, I was just two years old when my family left Afghanistan, and um, we fled first to New Delhi. When we were forced to leave there, uh, we moved to Germany and lived in a refugee camp with a um, hundred other families for several years. Finally, we were able to come to the U.S. when I was just six years old, and we settled down in New York City. My parents were grateful to have the opportunity to raise their children in a much safer place. And yet my parents were very distraught after um, having to leave Afghanistan. It was a very difficult transition for my family. Oh, I can imagine. So at this point, I know your mother was a devout Muslim and your dad was, I think you shared agnostic. And yet they worked really hard to keep you together and grounded in your Islamic roots, right? Yes, and after arriving in New York, we slowly began to adapt to the Western culture. Uh, My parents had enrolled my siblings and I in public schools. We took ESL classes where we learned English, and they also enrolled us in Islamic schools where we learned the fundamentals of Islam. Uh, My parents connected with relatives and friends in New York who were also Afghan Muslims, and um, they would come to our house and we theirs. Um, Sadly, that marked the beginnings of sexual abuse for me. And as a young girl, um, I was full of fear, and you know, I didn't want to stain my family's name. And so I kept that traumatic secret hidden from my family. Oh, Nagin, I'm so sorry. You were born into war. You lived in four countries by the time you were six, and now experiencing traumatic abuse in a strange culture and a strange country. And then your dad was offered a new business opportunity, and so your family moved across the country and into California. What was that like for you? Well, I was um, 12 years old when we moved to California, and it was very different from living in New York. There weren't many Afghan Muslim friends or family around, and we began to live our lives as secular Muslims. We started celebrating all of the American holidays, like Christmas, and yet we didn't know the true 
any of these holidays. By this time, my parents were much more open to the Western culture, yet they also expressed the importance of maintaining our Islamic roots. So how did you juggle those Afghan Islamic roots through high school in California? Oh, that's a good question, Karen. I really, really started struggling with my identity. I felt like I was living a double life. Um, I was working three jobs to help support my family financially. And I was also balancing high school and keeping good grades. At home, my family um, was good. I was a good traditional Afghan Muslim girl who followed the rules of my culture in Islam. But outside of my home, I wanted to do what all of my friends were doing. I wanted to date boys, skip school and drink and be a rule breaker. And, um, and I did. <laughs> well, so Nagin, through this time, did anyone tell you about Jesus? Uh, no, I, I never really had any thoughts about Christians, Jesus, or the gospel of growing up. Um, I did have questions throughout my life that Allah never answered. Hmm. Well, then let's fast forward a bit. So through those turbulent teen years, you got pregnant and you ran away, and then you were forced to make some heartbreaking decisions. And at that point, your family sent you to Germany for an arranged marriage with your Muslim cousin. And that crisis triggered a complete loss of faith in Allah and Islam. Yes, I remember running to my mom, falling on my knees and begging her not to force me into marriage. She told me there was nothing that could be done. Uh, my grandfather, father and brothers had decided for me. I decided to take a risk and tell my cousin the truth that my heart belonged to another and that I would never be happy if I was forced to marry him. To my Guys, um, he showed me compassion and agreed to help me return to California. Wow. So you returned to California at that point, and you worked hard to regain your parents' trust, only to elope then at 18, pregnant with your second child. So at this point, you'd left your family, you had abandoned God, and you chose to live a sinful life. How did you find Jesus in all of that? For me, it was a journey that started when I was eight months pregnant. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night to find an image of three crosses on my bedroom wall. I adjusting the blinds because I thought the light was shining through the window. It scared me because my bedroom window was alongside a dark alleyway where there was never any light. I woke up my husband to show him the image, but he just said the image of a cross was a good thing and told me to go back to sleep. So that same weekend, we had planned to visit my sister-in-law. She was a new believer at the time. And in her home, I came across a Bible that was sitting on the floor. In Islam, I was taught that God's holy books should always be handled with care and should never be placed on the floor. So I picked up the Bible and I placed it on the table beside me. But something in my heart told me to take that Bible and scan through the pages. No idea why I was scanning through the pages, but my sister-in-law had caught on and she noticed and she ran up the stairs and came back down, gifting me with a women's devotional. But I declined her gift to me and told her I wasn't interested. So you came in contact with the Bible. Was that the first time that you ever scanned the Bible? No. When my family and I would go on trips together out of state, and when we would stay in hotels, my grandfather would pull me aside privately and ask me to sneak him the Bible from our hotel room. Oh my gosh. You know what? I never had questioned why he would ask me to do that. I would just do it. And this happened at least five times that I remember. I wasn't a believer yet. And so when he was alive, I, I'd, I had seen him reading the, the different Bibles that I had smuggled for him many times. Yet I never asked him why he read it. 
now as a believer, I, I wonder if my grandfather was a closet Christian and wonder if he had found the Lord before he had passed away. Wow. You know, I'm believing that he did find the Lord in the game. So before you became a believer, you saw him reading the Bible and then you scanned the Bible for yourself. And then next, a few months later, your sister-in-law invited you to church. Yes, I um, I struggled with the thought of going to church with her because I had never set foot in a church before and thought that I would be going against everything I knew in Islam. But I did it. And um, the moment that I stepped through the church doors, the sound of worship and praise music just touched my soul. I had never heard music praising and worshiping the Lord before and singing about his characteristics, his acts tributes and his goodness and it made my heart really hot. Before I could even reach my seat, I was overwhelmed with emotions and I couldn't hold back my tears and towards the end of service the pastor led the church to say the sinner's prayer and I followed and I meant every single word that prayer that day. And the, the Holy Spirit kept telling me to stand up and to receive the free gift of salvation, to receive forgiveness through the power of the cross, but it was the enemy's loss that just kept creeping into my mind. I was reminded of all my sins and reminded of my family that I should not do anything that would make them disown me again, that I was not worthy of anything. But the power of the Holy Spirit was so much greater than those lies because the Holy Spirit gave me the strength and the courage and the boldness to get out of my seat and to walk up to confess my sins to the Lord and receive his son, Jesus Christ, into my heart. Oh, praise God. And yet, Nagin, I know that was only the beginning of your journey. Because once your family discovered that you had converted to Christianity, you were disowned. And then the next five years were filled with insecurities and doubts and circumstances, really, that prevented you from truly being discipled. Yes, um, I struggled through my husband's severe depression. We faced job losses and the mounting debt. We had four small children, a broken marriage, and my life just had hit absolute rock bottom. And that's the point that I finally cried out to Jesus to help. That night, um, the Lord had answered my prayer and led me to my church family. I joined a Bible study and learned to turn away from sin, find comfort in God's word, and how to truly repent and turn away from the things and from the people in my life that were pulling me away from Jesus. And I found hope for the very first time in my life through his word. Mm, so Nagin, along your journey, is there or was there a moment where you especially felt the love of Christ flowing out to you? Yes, I um, I really felt the Lord speaking to my heart and leading me to get baptized. He asked me if I would be willing to leave my house, my life, and my entire family for the sake of his kingdom. And I answered, yes, Lord. And on the morning of my baptism, the Lord brought to light the following scripture in my devotional. And um, that's Romans 10, 9. And if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I shared with just a few members of my church that I would be getting baptized. And when I had arrived to the baptism, my heart was so touched because I was surprised to see my church family show up with their families to show support for my baptism and show me the love of Christ in that way. Oh, amen. So friends, did you hear four of those five essentials as Nagin shared her story? First, she was a person of peace. God started wooing her heart with a vision of those three crosses. And then next, she was introduced to the Bible 
First from her grandfather, and then years later, she opened a Bible at her sister-in-law's home. And then that started her on her journey. And then three, she heard the gospel when her sister-in-law invited her to church. And finally, she experienced the love of God flowing through her, to her, through her Christian friends. Now, Nagin didn't mention one essential, and that is to pray with your Muslim friend in Jesus' name. But Nagin did have friends who prayed with her in Jesus' name along her journey. We just haven't unpacked that story here today. Nagin, I just want to thank you for sharing your story on today's podcast. Thank you so much. And listeners, I hope it's encouraged you to cross cultural and religious divides and help Muslims like Nagin find follow Jesus. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen. To get more involved in The Blue Cord, start small. Read my book, The Blue Cord, and sign up now to get my e-newsletter at thebluecord.org.